message is part of the media ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.corner-stone.org or by subscribing to our podcast. Open up to Psalm 23. You know, one of the greatest challenges of, of, of preaching, guys, in reality, please don't hear this as a, a woe is me for the pastor, uh, but the difficulty is... Uh, uh, many of you are teachers, and so you, you're very familiar with this, that in your classroom of, of 22 people that you're teaching, you have people that are all different levels of understanding. Some come, and they want to be learners. And, I mean, they're just, you know, they're hanging on the edge of their seats wanting to learn. You have others that the last thing in their mind, in their heart that day, is to learn something new. They're all absorbed into something of their own. And so you have this great division and this scale kind of going from here to here, and that all those kids kind of, you know, fall somewhere in that gap. And your job as a teacher is collectively to kind of get up there and kind of deal with this to, the, to this. And what a challenge that is. And some days you may feel like, man, you know, man, nailed it. And other days, no, got nailed. <laughs> and, and you just don't. And pastors go through that too because you, you, you come together and guys, we just have different life experiences at different times. And our hearts are broken. Sometimes and others are excited because God is just really doing something really generous in their life and blessing. And yet we collectively come together and there's one message and only by the power of the Holy Spirit can we hear individually and it kind of really be that salve that I talked about before that is needed for the wounds of our hearts and the joys so that when we leave here we'll be able to say, we heard God. And that's even harder and more difficult to do when we come upon a passage like Psalms 23, when it is so familiar to us that there, there really is that part of us. And it's not arrogance. I don't think it's arrogance. I think it's just kind of humanity that we're going, okay, I've heard that. I know that. And yet sometimes isn't it refreshing that some of the most familiar, some of the most basic of things comes back and brings joy to your life? How many of you like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches? And yet, maybe, you know, if it's been like, you know, it's not always what we just go, you know, I want a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You know, it's just, we go in there and there's something else to eat, and so we don't grab that. And maybe it's a year or two years before we have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And then all of a sudden we have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich because there's nothing else in there. And we have it, and we go, oh man, I need to have these more often. This is just simply good. And it's so basic and it's so familiar, and yet there's something so refreshing and so good about that. You're going, just, man, this is good nourishment. I just like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Well, Psalms 23 is kind of like that. That it is one of those passages that we said, if, you know, along with John 3.16, it's probably one of the most familiar texts in all the Bible. And we become so familiar with it, perhaps, that sometimes we're wanting something new. And maybe it just doesn't present something new that we want. And that's going to be the challenge this morning. It was so challenging that at first, and Sherry, I kind of sent you the wrong stuff for the bulletin because I was going, okay, I'm going to have to do two and three because, you know, two, if we just do verse two by itself, everybody's going to just be sitting there, I knew that, I knew that, I know that. And yet, as I really got in and started to develop the work, I'm going, why would we go past verse two when it is so rich? And it's just so good. So basic. So basic. And yet just so good. Last week, if you weren't here, because I know that we're in and out during the summer, I uh, just want to remind me, as we, as we start Psalm 23, we said it's probably one of the most poetic chapters of the whole Bible. And yet, 
It is so practical in its application. It is probably some of the most beautiful literature that we find in the Bible. And yet it is personal. Uh, Remember, we said that there's this kind of pivoting that's going back between David, the writer, and his God, his shepherd that he's writing to. Sixteen different times he refers to, you know, himself, but not in this arrogant way, but, you know, uh, just in this knowledge about himself and in this relationship to his God. And 12 references to God there. And so we have this pivoting going back. And it was one of the Hebraic writing styles to use that. And he just goes back and forth. Okay, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. But he talks about the Lord. And then he talks about the attributes of the Lord. And so we have that going on. And we said last week that in this picture of a shepherd, that there was three main things that a shepherd does. Various things, but three main things. Protector provider and physician. That a good shepherd with a sheep that would provide those three things. And we talked, as we ended last week, uh, I made reference to uh, a, a classic Christian book, Knowing God, J.R. Packer, and that out of all these attributes that he writes about, 22 different chapters in that classic book, the last chapter has always kind of captivated me that, okay, how do you end a book like that when you're talking about God and you're talking about all these different attributes of God? How do you end a book like that? J.R. Packer does it masterfully. The adequacy of God. I just came up to you and said, well, you know, God is adequate. They're going, Bobby, you need to kind of step up your estimation of God. You know, you need to kind of get a little bit bigger picture of God. Uh, he's more than just adequate. And yet, guys, isn't that really the crux of human life? There are things that we can know about this mighty God and this personal God, but there are some things that, that we can't, we can't even communicate because they're so beyond our belief. But when it comes down to it, Jay Packer, I think, just nails it when he says, okay, how do I end a book about God? That he is adequate. First and foremost, adequate for our greatest need that we just sang about this morning. That we in our rebellion and our sinfulness against a holy God, that he made adequate provision through his son Jesus Christ. And so that is the basis of this whole relationship. Is the adequacy of God. The adequacy of this substitute that came and lived and died for us and rose again so that you and I truly could have victory in our lives. So that you and I could say, even on the darkest of days, even on the darkest of days, not because there's light that's coming the next day in the next 24 hours or the next 48 hours, but that we can say, it is well with my soul. Why? Because my sin, not in part, but the whole, has been nailed to the tree and I bear it no more. That is our salvation, guys. That's our hope. And let's be honest. We love the theology of that. We love the big picture of that. And yet we get caught up in the little picture. And sometimes in that little picture, and by saying little picture, I am not trying to offend anybody. You know, that what's going on in your life at present isn't very, very big picture to you. I'm just saying in comparison to salvation... I would boldly say that everything is a little picture in comparison to salvation, that he has done that. And there's where we find the adequacy of God. And so we have all these other things underneath that. And sometimes that's where our faith gets strained. If I asked you this morning, that you, if you placed your 
your hope and your trust in Jesus Christ? Do you, do you believe that you will go and reside forevermore for eternity with God in heaven? If I asked you that this morning and you've put your trust and faith in him, I believe that, that if not 100%, 99% would say, yes, I believe that. And yet the struggle is June 3rd and June 4th and June 5th. Guys, let us not miss this beautiful and yet simple truth. The God who holds eternity and your security for your eternity holds June 3rd and June 4th and June 5th and June 7th and June 8th and the next day and the next day. See, Satan would love for us to kind of lose that perspective, to trust God for an everlasting and for an eternity, but kind of, kind of not be able to get rest and comfort and wellness in our soul for today. This morning we go to verse 2. We begin to see that it's very practical. You know, one of the things that we saw last week was that there was a declaration that was made. The Lord is my shepherd. A declaration of truth. And there was a resulting direction for his life. I shall not want. And as it said, we're born wanters. We're always wanting. Some of you right now, I want it to be a little bit cooler. Some of you right now, I want it to be a little bit hotter, you know? know, We're born wanters. And yet because of this declaration that he makes, that David makes, that the Lord is my shepherd, he can say, I shall not want. As we go into verse 2, we see this same practical relationship. A declaration or kind of an action that comes from this shepherding ability of this personal God. Verse 2, Psalm 23. He, that is God, makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. David continues this illustration of this need, of this sheep-shepherd relationship and his need for rest. And the shepherd's ability to provide for that rest. And he does it in very poetic, and he does it in very vivid color. This is not something that really is so much of a black and white picture. When you read, he makes me to, lean down, to lay down in green pastures, you really don't paint that picture in your mind, I would doubt, in black and white, do you? You use at least one color, and what is that? Yeah, I would think that you would at least add green in there because it mentions green. But most of the time, you know, we paint this picture of, of what that would look like in, in our mind, and we begin to, to really, and it's not a bland picture, it is a very vivid picture of the shepherd's ability to provide this place, a, a place that is conducive to rest. I mentioned a book last week, and probably will refer to it throughout this whole series, by Philip Keller. It's a great book. It's been out for years and years. It's really kind of considered a classic also. Uh, a shepherd looks at Psalms 23. In that, he had eight years where Keller was a shepherd. And so he, he looks at Psalm 23, not just from, hey, I've read about shepherds, and here's one of the things that I know about shepherds. They have to take care of sheep. He's not writing from that perspective. He's writing from a perspective that for eight years, he was a shepherd tending to sheep. And so when he comes upon a passage like this that is written, like King David, years and years ago, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Bill Keller, more so than most of us, if you've never been a shepherd, 
He, he understands that in a, in a real way. And he writes about four things that was his discovery, and this has been used in sermons left and right since his book came out. Four things that he found were essential in order for a sheep to truly rest. Not just lay down, but rest. He found out that the, the sheep had to be free from fear, big bad wolves in the such, had to be free from friction, that is, fighting with other sheep, and I'll explain a little bit more about that a little bit later on, uh, free from flies and irritants. Anybody been in South Georgia? Go below Macon, below the gnat line? How many gnats does it take to totally frustrate you? One. And sometimes one is worse than 20. I mean, at least with 20, you kind of, okay, there's gnats out there. But if there's that one, you fall into this. Have you ever seen somebody from afar fighting a gnat? It's the most ridiculous thing. The only thing that is more kind of silly looking, if you could capture it on tape, is somebody that walks through a spider web. You know, if you just see that from like, you know, 50 feet off and they walk through the spider web, you didn't see the spider web and they walk through it and all of a sudden they go into contortions that you didn't think were humanly impossible. Well, somebody fighting one mad does that too. And so this is part of what he discovered that, you know, as long as the sheep are fighting flies and again, the insects and irritants are around them all the time. He said they really don't rest. They can lay down. And they may even be able to sleep a little bit, but they don't rest. And the last thing is to be free of famine. That is to, to have some food in their belly. So we're going to look at those things this morning. The, the freedom of fear and friction and flies and irritants and, and famine. And see how the shepherd is the one who kind of controls that situation. I, I mean, think about it. Sheep. They have this inherent fear that they could be eaten. And it's probably a good fear because when was the last time you saw sheep with any kind of really defense mechanism? I mean, God didn't really make sheep with, I mean, sheep don't get up on their back legs with long claws and go, you know, and kind of scare you like maybe a bear. They don't have uh, a scent to put off like skunks. They don't have a poison to spit out. Sheep are just sheep. They're very vulnerable. And so when we begin to see all these different things that in this scenario of, of God is the shepherd, what we keep on coming back to is that we are totally dependent as sheep upon a good shepherd. These are not things that we can do for ourselves. And that's really hard for us as human beings that are geared to doing for ourselves. It's doubly hard for us if we really have this American mindset that, okay, the, the more you do for yourself, the, the better off in life that you are. So we kind of fight it both in our internal nature, but also in our cultural nature. Work hard. And yet here we come to a place especially in the spiritual sense of this, but even in the practical sense of this, where David is trying to say, and David was a pretty accomplished man. I mean, have you ever defeated a Goliath? Have you ever had a whole town start singing songs? Hey, Saul, he killed his thousand. But, you know, David, <laughs> man, he has killed thousands and thousands and thousands. Have you ever had a whole city sing your praises as you come back from war victorious? Uh, and David had. He was king. 
And again, we said last week, we don't know if he's writing this after he's already become king or before he's king, but we know that it's in the maturity that David is writing this, and he's writing from a place where most humans would say, you know, David, you've been pretty successful. Keep that in mind because it's an important point because his whole thing is, man, with all my success, with all my ability, with all the things I've, quote-unquote, accomplished, Lord, it is only you, it is only the provision that you give that can free me from want. You're the only one that can truly make me lie down and have real rest. Verse 2, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. When we think about that, can you show that next, that, that picture isn't this kind of what you picture there? I mean, in Psalms 23, we really don't have a lot of clouds in the picture. Most of the time, it's usually, I would think that we paint a picture in our mind that's pretty bright. I think for the most part, the grass would be green, and very, very soft green, if we could kind of imagine that, and that the sheep are somewhat pretty, and the water is blue. And we picture this scenario where everything is just almost idealistic and yet in reality we're going okay if that was my life I could rest I, I could lay down and rest not just sleep but, but really rest and yet would you not agree that rest is pretty elusive on planet earth for every mom here your life before kids and after kids. You, you try to find that one place of sanctuary and you think it's the bathroom. <laughs> I can lock the door. This is my sanctuary. And somehow, I don't know if they slide underneath the, the, the door or if they can pick the lock, but even from the very beginning, it's like, if you have three kids, there's three kids in there and you're in the bathroom, but there's three kids right there in the bathroom and they all have... Can I have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? You know, Pastor Bobby was talking about peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Can I have a sandwich? It's an amazing thing, you know, this rest, true rest, true rest, especially rest for the soul. Pretty elusive on planet Earth. And so what David is saying here is, 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 as much as we may be familiar, it's pretty profound. And I think that most of us would say that it's pretty elusive in our own lives. Is it possible to lay your body horizontally on a mattress and, and actually close your eyes and fall asleep and not get rest? You, you can respond. I mean, with a head shake. Yeah. We, we do it all the time. We, we lay down. We, we may lay down for six hours, eight hours, ten hours. We lay down horizontally. We, we shut our eyes. We, we have the pillow and all that. And, and yet we wake up in the morning and go, man, I am so tired. And both physically, mentally, emotionally, but a lot of times just spiritually. I'm not, I'm not at rest. And that those burdens that we carry, those things that are kind of not right, they're not picture perfect, that all of a sudden those are the things that really begin to um, stress us out. So, so we see here, I want you to notice David's emphasis in verse 2 of the shepherd's role to provide these things. He makes me. He leads me. 
is it your responsibility in life to find the right pasture? Or is it God's responsibility in life to lead you to the right pasture and to make you lie down? See, one of the hardest things, guys, here is that we get role reversal. How many of you have symbolically chased a greener pasture only to find out that you were more upset, more troubled, more disturbed, more whatever, fill in the blank, when you got to what was supposedly the greener pasture than when you left the last pasture? Have you ever done that before? And it's one of those things, it's one of those life blows because you're going, okay, I really thought it wasn't just a job or it wasn't maybe maybe it was a relationship. Maybe it was as trivial as a house. And if I just get to the right house, a greener pasture there, this is going to solve a lot of problems. And and so we begin challenged on those things. Uh, But down in the soul, we find out that that greener pasture, even if it was very, very important, like a relationship, maybe even a, a marriage, that it wasn't as idyllic as we thought. It wasn't as green. That they actually had flies in that pasture too. And that there's actually things, you know, that the sun didn't always rise over that pasture too. And that that water, as blue as it looked from afar, wasn't nearly as clear as we thought it might be. This is life, guys. This is not to be depressing to us. It's to put us back into the, what is our role here? And I think if there's one thing that God would want to shout out to you and to me this morning... Bobby, never forget. Bobby, never forget I am the shepherd. And I call you to be my sheep. Because when we reverse that role, when we get that role, we won't find rest for the soul. He makes me lie down. He leads me. In those four things that that Philip Keller talks about, the freedom of fear, the freedom of friction, the freedom of irritants in life, the freedom of famine, have you come to a place of maturity in your adult walk? I don't care if you're seven or eight or nine years old this morning. Have you come to a place this morning you're going, you know, I'm not nearly as in control of this as I thought I was. Somehow there's this fallacy that when we're growing up, that, man, if I just make the right choices and I just do the right things then life is going to be this beautiful picture. Have you come to the understanding, fellow traveler, that sometimes you can make the right choices and that you can do the right things and it still doesn't end up in a picture like that? And that's given us a lot of credit because how many of you would say, well, Bobby... (laughs) I've probably made as many bad choices as I have wrong choices in life. How many of y'all would kind of just admit that in life? Yeah. So, so, guys, at this point, we don't need to just sit there and be say, okay, man, my emphasis is just really, I need to shepherd my life. I need to really make these decisions in such a way that I'm kind of making sure that I'm picking the right green pastures and that I'm making sure that I make sure that I lie down and that I can find... No, it is finding the relationship with your shepherd and putting full and complete trust in that. And that even those times that you don't want to lie down, and he makes you lie down, that you become obedient to that. Just because you're laying horizontally for eight hours does not bring you physical, mental, emotional rest. And it certainly does not produce spiritual rest. But I promise you this, 
when we become a sheep to a shepherd and we just have this inherent knowledge that, that his words are true and that his intentions are pure and holy and his kindness and his grace to us is more than we could ever imagine. When we get that, rest will become, will start to come to your soul. There's nothing else that can duplicate that in life, guys. The answer in life, guys, is not a greener pasture or sulfur grass. The answer is the shepherd who provides for us rest in a place that is free from the threat of wolves and flies and and there's a little bit of food in our belly and I don't mean that so much just in the literal sense as I mean that in the spiritual sense because there's I don't know that we're ever going to have a time that we're really truly free from every irritant of life and what he has said is look you can trust me and you can lie down here and you can find rest and rest for your soul Why? Because you're in the perfect place and everything's just going right? No, because I'm your shepherd and I'm the great provider and I will provide for you what you need. And what is it that we need? My sin, not in part, but the whole. He nailed to a cross and I bear it no more. Well, I mean, that's just being oversimplistic, you know. You're just talking about the spiritual power of life and not all these other you know, things that happen in life. Guys, if you don't have the foundation, we are spiritual beings that just happen to have a human body. You are not physical beings that just happen to have a spirit. And when we get that the wrong way, that's why we don't really have sometimes this rest or this peace in our hearts. And that's why if I'm just doing what, if I'm treating myself as a physical body that just happens to have a spirit, guess what? I'm looking for the next green pasture. But if I understand that I truly am a spiritual being that God has created and he's given me a physical body to carry around for so many years and that truly who I am and all the creative form of God is spirit so that I can have this relationship with a spiritual God, then all of a sudden I can start having rest in my very soul and in my very spirit. Fear, friction, flies, famine. All these occur naturally in sheep. Again, we we said sheep don't have offensive weapons. They they need a shepherd. Um, This friction, sheep naturally. Do do we have any people that grew up on a farm with sheep? I know several who grew up on a farm, but you may not have sheep. Sheep have, uh, just like chickens, have a pecking order. Sheep have a butting order. They really, and they, they will come in, and the nature of sheep is to, to, to get rank. And so they will come in, and they will butt one another. And you either be the butter or the buttee. I don't, I don't, know, how you, I don't know what the proper terminology would be, but, but you're going to be on one end of that or the other. You're going to be the guy kind of butting things and trying to get position, or you're going to be the one who's kind of been butted by another sheep there and he just kind of lost position and it causes friction within a flock. That's what David's talking about. That's what Philip Keller was referring to in his eight years of experience. He said, I've seen sheep and why they should get along and you would think, hey, why should a sheep pick on another sheep? He said, I see this budding order going on and that causes friction. 
when there's friction relationally in the life of the sheep. He said, he's not really going to rest. He can lay down, but he's not really going to rest. And we're just like that, guys. We go through and we see all these things, this irritants in our own life. And God has only one answer, and that is that we understand this great need for a, a shepherd and, and that we trust him for that. His answer is not always to remove and put us into a place of pure screen, uh, you know, in, in a material green pasture with still waters, but spiritually speaking, he, he addresses the, the core nature of who we are. And so that's where God's coming from. That's why you say, okay, sometimes can you have rest in the midst of chaos? I believe, and please don't be offended by this, for you who are going through chaos and turmoil in your life, please hear this. I believe this with all my heart, but I do not mean it to be offensive. God can give you rest in the midst of that. He can. If we don't have hope in God there, where else will we find hope? And yet I'm not saying that it comes instantly. I'm not saying that it comes easily. I'm not saying, it just comes saying, okay, God, I'm your sheep. I trust you as my shepherd. And not only do I not understand what I'm going through, I'm actually offended by it, or I disagree, or I'm kind of mad at what I'm going through. Because I want a greener pasture. And yet in the pasture where God has you, he makes you lie down, and he leads you beside still water. Psalm 121, verse 3 and 4, he, he talks about uh, you know, how, how does this happen? How can we really rest when there's unease in our life? The other Psalms really kind of give some light to this. In Psalm 121, he says that we have this God who's a shepherd and he doesn't sleep or he doesn't slumber. Are you familiar with that in Psalms 121? Where's my help? And we look over there and we find, and he says, okay, I have a God. He says, I found this help and this help is in my God. And why, can, why do I have the ability to rest now and really kind of have peace, even though I'm not in a green pasture right now? Because my God does not sleep and he does not slumber. The Hebrew word slumber there is a very interesting word. It's a very kind of short word. Num, N-U-M, is, is our transliteration. And, and basically means, okay, yeah, he doesn't sleep, sleep, but he doesn't slumber. Have you ever seen somebody slumber? They're half awake and half asleep. Maybe you right now. I'm thinking, man, I, just, I love that guy. He is praying for me. Look at him. He's over there just praying for me, praying for his pastor this morning. And maybe you're in the midst of slumber. You're half awake, you're half asleep. What is, what is the psalmist saying when he says, okay, this God does not sleep, but he does not slumber? Why didn't he just say he does not sleep? Would that not be sufficient? Because sometimes we, we may be able to affirm theologically, okay, God does not sleep, he, he's aware, but man, he just seems like he's slumbering right now. He's kind of half awake. He's kind of, you know, is he really mindful of what's going on in, in my life and my needs? That great promise, where does my help come from? My help comes from this shepherd, this God who does not sleep. He's on call 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But he doesn't even slumber. His attention is on me. He has full knowledge of my needs. And he knows that I'm not in the greenest of pastures, and yet he makes me lie down. Because he said, this is the pasture for the night. And I will be on watch, and I won't sleep, and I won't even slumber.
Two more verses, then we'll go tonight. Psalms, uh, or this morning, Psalms 127, verse 1 and 2. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. This was part of our lesson this morning in young marriage class. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go to late for rest, uh, go late uh, for rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for He gives what? Can you see that last part? He gives to His beloved sleep. But we were watching, we were working through the series in young marriage class, and J.D. Greer said, you know, what is the result of of coming following God here? Sleep in this verse. I mean, you're, you're trusting God. You rise up early and you go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. He said, "Yeah, but this God is the God that can give you rest, and and, and part of that is sleep. And really, he's talking here some, about some physical sleep because he knows how medicinal that can be. This is a God." who cares for us in practical ways, spiritual ways, but in very practical ways. Look at Psalms 4, verse 7 and 8 as we close. And this kind of is, uh, you know, this whole greener pasture kind of mindset. I'll just be happier if I find a greener pasture. Whatever that is, whether it's a relationship, whether it's a job, whether it's you know, a physical thing like a house, a car, or this, that, and the other. This kind of puts to rest some of that. Look what the psalmist wrote. You have put more joy in my heart than they that have uh, that. I'm sorry, than they have when their grain and wine abound. In other words, he said, "Man, they got plenty to eat. They got plenty to drink." He said, "You have put more joy in my heart than those people that are over there." And it looks like there's total sufficiency of these things in their life because look at verse eight. In peace, I will both lie down and what. And I'm just not going to go horizontal for six, seven, eight hours. I'm going to go horizontal and I'm going to get sleep and rest. And I know some of you are going, man, I would wish for six or seven hours. <laughs> Come to my house. <laughs> you know. You know well, what is he saying? I will give you rest. I will give you sleep. For you alone, God, make me dwell in safety. God, you've got to cover. You're, you're the great shepherd. So make me lie down. Make me lie down. Make me lie down. For you're the only one that can take friction and all these different things, my need for for all these different things. You're the only one that sufficiently can really deal with those. I don't have really the power to do that. I have a responsibility. I have to make right choices. But God, you are the shepherd and I am the sheep. And I pray that you would just give me rest for my soul this very morning. Let's pray together. Father God, I I pray this morning that we would not miss the the beauty of the simplicity of verse 2. Father, we confess, I confess, that we are attracted to greener pastures, that sometimes, Father, we think that is what is absence to bring rest or joy into our life. Father, is that if you would just do this, if you would just a little bit greener pasture, that, Father, somehow that joy would come into our life and that rest would be produced in our life.
Father, I, I pray this morning for those that laid down horizontally six, seven, eight hours last night and, and yet woke up exhausted and they did not get rest. And Father, I pray that this day that you would just assure them in their heart and their mind that you are the source of rest. Father, I pray those that have the longing of greener pastures in their lives this morning and and they've been deceived, they've been distracted, that, Father, you would bring the reality that the promise of joy is not in greener pastures. It's being in the pasture that you desire for us to be in. And, Father, I pray for those this morning that are so heavy-hearted, so broken-hearted, Because, Father, it seems like green pasture is the farthest thing from the reality of their life right now. Father, remind us this morning, you are shepherd and we are your sheep. You are a shepherd that never sleeps, you never slumber. And, Father, I pray this morning that you'd make us lay down, even if we're kind of resistant to that, Father. Make us lie down in the pasture of your picking and lead us besides still waters. Give us rest for our souls, Father, this very day in the midst of the chaos of this world and help us know that it comes from you and only you. That's why we can sing It is well with my soul. We love you. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Father. I thank you, Holy Spirit, Father, this morning that you are the providing. And, Father, that you will provide for us uh, this very day all that we need. We, We love you. We trust you. We desire you. We worship you. So we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope this message was a blessing to you. To learn more about our church or our media ministry, you can visit us online at www.corner-stone.org or find us on Facebook.